Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. on for all my viewers all my early viewers with my uh with this question here um trying on the uh don't know what that is so we've got a question here which says something like oh charlotte's here good to see you again good to see you again charlotte i hope you are well and uh, you're gonna like this one it is uh around radio frequency and moles would what would your advice for roll, roll, mole removal using radio frequency? Um, so, oh, lost the full question. Uh, just watching some of your YouTube videos regarding mole removal and saw a video on radio frequency, which led me to watch other videos on mole removing using radio frequency. Do you think this method of mole removal is something I should look into in your professional opinion, as it would eliminate the risk of my lip being pulled up? So this is actually a difficult situation. So I am going to now show you the mole in question. And I'm also going to show you the mole in question, Instagram, um, which I can do. Um, I don't think I was live on Instagram. Right. Okay. So I am live on Instagram now, am I? Sorry, I thought I was live there. I am now live. Okay. So <laughs> good job. I needed to show a photo because I thought I was live then. Right. So I've got a photo here. So uh, just to re oh, can you see that? Insta oh, God. That's can you see that? I don't know what Instagram people can see. Can they see me? Can you still see me? The model's just there on my screen. I don't know if that's. Uh, I don't know what you're seeing, but can you see the little mole there? Well, it's actually quite a big mole on a cheek. On Facebook, it's there. It's there. On Instagram, it's there. So um, question is, a patient who was watching some of my videos regarding mole removal, saw a video on radio frequency, is this a method of mole removal I would think they should look into, in my professional opinion? Because this is a difficult mole. This is a difficult mole. And it's difficult for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's large. It's a fair size. And it's on a very cosmetically sensitive area. It's right there on the cheek. Um, and so that makes it very difficult because the sort of way that I remove moles is by excision. And there's two options for excision. There's shave excision and, and a formal excision where you cut it out. Um, shave excision is good for raised moles. This is slightly raised, but it's very heavily pigmented. So the risk of a shave excision is there might be some pigment pigment left behind if you because you don't don't go let deeper than the level of the of the base of the skin. So with heavily pigmented or for dark moles, you worry you'll be and end up with a patch that's brown, which probably not going to be particularly happy with so in that those terms excision would be the best option in my view the problem with excision is it's going to give you a scar number one and number two in 
order to remove what is quite a large mole. My worry for this patient, it would pull the lip up, which clearly wouldn't be good. So what I suggested she do was I suggested a two-stage excision where you actually remove a, 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 a more um, uh, conservative portion of the central aspect of the mole. You create a scar within the mole and then you wait at least four months um, because what will happen is when you take a little bit of skin out, it'll pull up a little bit and then wait at least four months for it to settle and then you take the rest out. So I would do it in two stages um, rather than one stage. Having said that, it will, you know, you're removing a fair amount of tissue from beside the lip and there is a risk that that lip will be pulled up, which is a significant concern, which is why this patient not unreasonably is looking for other options. And so I think that um, the radiofrequency, my first thing is I don't do radiofrequency. So if you are considering radiofrequency, talk to someone who does radiofrequency because you could argue uh, quite, quite reasonably that I haven't got a balanced view on it because I don't do it. But I can certainly talk uh, in general terms about other types of mole remover I don't do because we are encouraged as um, doctors to tell people all the options that are available, even if we don't do them. So it's important you're informed about the different options available, whether or not your doctor can do it. So um, the issue with radio frequency, and there are lot, well, maybe not lots, but several other ways of removing moles um, rather than cutting them out, but they um, they um, require delivering energy to the cells that are making up the mole and destroying them in some way. So you can use lasers, you can use heat, you can use cold, you can scrape them off, you can do all sorts of things which can, um, which will deliver energy to remove those pigment cells and to remove the mole, but they will all result in scarring. And I think anyone who says that this technique doesn't result in scarring, um, I would be cautious of. The fact of the matter is a lot of things we do on the face scar really well. And so it looks like there's no scar, but there is a scar, but it's just that it's so heals so well that you can't see it. Um, so uh, that is my concern that you you know, you are still causing scarring. And if you're going to remove that amount of tissue, then the scarring can pull the lip up, whether that is removed by cutting that tissue out or burning it or radiofrequencying it or lasering it or cooling it or heating it or whatever. The other thing about the other types um, is it's difficult to um, um, adjust or assess the level of the burn or the energy delivery. So, you know, you worry if you don't deliver enough energy and don't destroy enough of the pigment cells, there might be some pigment left behind. If you do too much, then you'll get more scarring. So th those are the issues with it. But as I say, you're better off talking to someone who does it rather than this guy, because you might say, well, he's not going to say it's any good. Otherwise, you would, you know, um, because he doesn't offer it. But then I would say, well, if it, you know, I could offer it, but I, but I don't. Um, and often you'll find that people who offer things can't do the other way. So if they can only do one way, then they try and tell you that way is the best. I can do laser or radio frequency or whatever. I need the machine to do it. Um, but in my view, it is not a good uh, way to remove moles. 
but uh, it is uh, all about getting other opinions. So the, the answer to the question, I do think it is worth looking into, in my professional opinion, for, for this patient, because I think she's got a very difficult mold, and I think she needs to exhaust all the options before um, considering treatment. And I think if someone can show her some nice results with radio frequency and can reassure her that it'd be a good thing to try, then by all means try it. But um, as I say, my view is I would be concerned about it, but it is a difficult, difficult mould to remove. So um, I heartily encourage other opinions being sought. And good luck. Good luck with that. I mean, sincerely, I hope if you do, do go down another avenue that they can successfully remove it with the minimal scarring or marks or sequelae but i think whatever route you go down you'd have to accept some degree of marking or or um, or, or patch or some some uh, evidence that it used to be there but that you know the aim is to try and make it less noticeable than it is now so yeah that is that so what do i do now to hide the video on instagram maybe click the picture Stop sharing. Yeah, good. So um, Charlotte's right in with a question. That's what we want to see. Get in there, Charlotte. One of my implants has dropped a lot lower than the other, and I believe the pocket has not been tightened enough. My surgeon has said this can be corrected. Is this easy enough to correct? Will I need to go through the same recovery process as I did with the original operation? Lower. Yeah, I mean, basically, that's the problem with implants. They can, well, God knows there's enough problems with implants, but they can either, you know, drop too low or, 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 or not drop low enough. Um, again, Charlotte, my advice is always talk to your surgeon with these sorts of things uh, because they'll be best placed. But in general terms, uh, moving implants, the, the, certainly in my practice, the more common is a problem is they're, they're too high um, and you need to lower them. But certainly if they are lower, then you can raise them. Um, raising them is more difficult than lowering them, uh, to be honest. Um, so I wouldn't say that, you know, is it easy enough to correct? I wouldn't say it's like easy to correct because um, you have to recreate the inframammary fold. It's easier to lower the fold than to raise the fold. So um, uh, as I say, both are possible, but it's a little bit more difficult to raise the implant um, because we have to then really define that inframammary fold. Um, and again, always best to talk to your surgeon, Charlotte, but, you know, I use long-term dissolving sutures to try and um, sort of nail down that fold to make it really crisp and really um, well defined because that is the problem getting it really well defined and that can sometimes cause dents in the skin so I always warn people about that there might be some dents in the skin um, now those sutures are dissolvable so those dents will go once the sutures dissolve but it can take a few months for those sutures to dissolve and you know there's always a risk we can do too much or do too little so probably the implant will sit high to start off with and then you hope it settles and matches the other side but um but it is difficult um to raise the fold it is easier to lower it um or it is easy to lower a set of implants should i say than it is to raise them but both possible um Will it be the same recovery process as it did with the original operation? No, um, Charlotte, it will not be as much as a recovery process as the initial operation. Not least, I'm assuming you only need one side. Um, I'm assuming that because you said one has dropped lower than the other. So um, that's, you know, 50% of the of the um, recovery right there. But also, um, 
you know, obviously with the first operation, the pocket had to be created. So this is just like putting some stitches. So it's technically difficult, but um, from your recovery will not be um, will not be sort of massively. Um, well, it won't be bigger than the, the original, be less than the original. But um, but as I say, always best to talk to the Ridge, Charlotte. Amy, hi, Jijin, feeling good after surgery Thursday. That means I have to work out who Amy is now. What day is it today? Tuesday. So, oh, really? That's Amy, is it? Right. Okay. Amy, well, I'm glad to hear it, Amy, and I hope you are taking it easy uh because you've done really well and um and thank you for uh for the comment nice to see you here tonight amy and i hope you're lying there taking it easy but keeping your legs moving you know all the things we said keeping all the blood circulating you know deep breaths cough if you need to you know you know the, you know the drill you know the drill amy um i'm considering replacing my current breast implants which i suspect may be pip implants do you have more information regarding similar procedures that have been completed at the clinic? This is an odd one, isn't it? Why have they put this one in here? I think I've got to be honest with you. I think they were struggling a bit for questions, to be quite honest, because I haven't got many. So I think they were, which is, you know, I understand. I get it. I've always said I'll do anything. I'll answer any of them. Fine. I'll go with this one. But um, slightly odd question. Um, not least because it's, what, what, you know, do we have more of a similar, what, I don't even know what the procedure is. So replacing so i'm presuming it's saying taking implants out and putting implants in again now pip implants um we saw a lot of them back in the day so i did loads of them back in the day fortunately i never put them in in the first place so i wasn't affected by the big fiasco when uh, a whole load of patients started realizing they had these pip implants in which were um, non-medical grade silicone and they wanted to have them changed so fortunately i never used them in my career um we always knew they were cheap implants they were always at the sort of lower end of the market uh, we never knew they were um, illegal, what they were doing there. But but um, uh, I think m most or certainly many uh, fully trained plastic surgeons did not use PIP implants. Uh, and I'm pleased to say I didn't. But I did treat a lot of people with PIP implants who, for whatever reason, couldn't have treatment with their original surgeon. And so we changed quite a lot back when it all blew up um, quite a few years ago now. Um, so most have been changed. But anyway, obviously, there's people out there like this patient. So, yeah, I mean, one of the things I will say about the PIP implants is they didn't have much of a capsule in my experience. And they were never very hard. So they must have done something right. Um, but um, so that's the main thing when you're having your implants changed, just whether you've got a capsule or not. That's the big question I ask myself when I'm changing implants. Is there a capsule? Is that hard scar tissue around the implant? If there is hard scar tissue around the implant, then you need to do a capsulectomy which means removing all of that hard scar tissue. That's quite a big operation, turns a one hour operation into a three hour operation and uh, is quite traumatic, creates bleeding, increased risks, uh, probably need a drain uh, and increased risk of capsular, capsular contracture coming quicker because it's more traumatic than just changing implants. But it will be quiet if the implant, if the implant's gone hard or rather the capsule's gone hard, which is a scar tissue around the implant. So that's the number one question um yeah we got loads of information about changing implants um it depends what sort of information you want um i'm not even sure who this patient is to be honest with you um but you what we can do is show you photos perhaps of people who've had implants changed um as a general rule when you're changing implants you would probably want to go a little bit bigger in size 
um, in order to sort of take up the space of the old one, particularly if you're having a capsulectomy because the capsule will take out some volume. So you want to go a little bit bigger in size um, in order to look about the same. Um, it is always a little bit of an issue if you want to go smaller in size. I'm all for it. I'm all for you going smaller in size. I think that's not a bad thing, especially when people have had implants for a long time. They think, you know what, I don't want um, them so big anymore. The only issue with going smaller in size is that you can get a droop of your breast. You can, um, the breast might sit low because the, the implants will stretch the skin a bit. And then when you downsize, they can they can droop low. So then you can get into the realms of thinking about mastopexies and things, you know, breast lifts to tighten the skin um, because the shape might not be as good if you downsize. Uh, but if you stay the same or go bigger, then that should be okay. Um, similarly, if you're having them removed and not replaced, then you could think about a mastopexy because your breast will droop, the shape will suffer. If you're happy with that, then fine. You could always just see how it goes and have a breast lift later on. But I guess those are the options for changing the implants, and we can certainly talk to you about those options um, um, in the clinic. Uh, no problem at all. I am scrolling the wrong page, so I'm going to scroll this page. And what I'm going to come up with, what type of steroid injection do we use? Do you see what I mean about them struggling with the questions? Blimey. Right, okay, see how long I can drag this out. Um, what type of steroid do we use? Okay, um, well, uh, we use, uh, the steroid that we use is for scars. We jet steroid into scars, hypertrophic scars, lumpy scars, keloid scars. Um, you wouldn't really use steroid in a normal scar. You'd only use it on a red, lumpy, hypertrophic or keloid scar. And uh, it's called triamcinolone uh, is the type of steroid. It is the standard, I think, I don't know, there's probably others that people use. It's the only type I've ever used. Um, the, the, the trade name is Adcortil. Uh, it's triamcinolone 10 milligrams per mil. They do another one called Kenalog, which is triamcinolone 50 milligrams per mil. Uh, but that is the one that they tend to use in joints and shoulders and things like that um, in uh, scars. Personally, I use the 10 milligram per mil ad cortil triamcinolone, uh, and you usually only use a fraction of a mil, uh, very small amounts injected directly into the scar to help with the redness and the raised nature of it um, to um, to help sort of dampen down any um, any uh, increased body's reaction to the scarring, which is basically what happens with hypertrophic ankyloid scarring. Right, I've got to be honest, full disclosure, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have to email patients before this to let them know this is going on, isn't it? I sh I've been thinking about it for a while. I should, I should tell people, because I'm on my last question now. It's my last question. What is it, 7.24? I mean, OK, I get to see the second half of the first antiques road trip, but come on. Anyway, um, this is the last question. So if you've got any questions and you do want to ask a question, I am I am open to to, op, uh, you know, to that. Um, do we offer Mons reduction? Yes. Now, this is a person who got onto the online chat actually with me um, Friday night, was it? Anyway. Um, Asking about Mons reduction, asking about price, and we don't. Yes, we do. We do. We do. Do 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 Mons reduction. The thing about Mons reduction is it is usually done after a tummy tuck. I don't think I've ever done a Mons reduction. I haven't done that many Mons reductions as a standalone procedure anyway. So I guess I'm not the world expert in Mons reduction. But um, 
I've never done it in someone as a standalone procedure. I've always done it on patients who've had a tummy tuck. And to be honest with you, it's, it's not that common because you try and do what you can to the mons when you do a tummy tuck. But sometimes you're unable to completely uh, tighten the skin, especially if the skin's very thin, very droopy, what we call totic. Um, the mons is the area of the pubic hair, by the way. It's, the, it's above the pubic bone, it's where the, where the pubic hair is. And it's often quite full in patients who've lost a lot of weight and there's a lot, the skin is often stretched in that area. Um, and as I say, we do our best to address it at the time of the tummy tuck, but we can't address it completely. So sometimes the second stage, you'll need to go back and do a mons reduction. Now, this means it's usually a sort of bespoke procedure. Um, it varies how much or how, how little you, used to do, you need to do. So I don't think, I think I'm right to say, I don't think we've got like a price for mons reduction. It's normally done something that we talk to with, with, our, with our patients. But um, this patient was asking about it and hadn't had a tummy tuck. So we're very interested to see uh, what's going on there because I can try to envisage a prominent mons without a prominent abdominal apron. Um, I mean, I get, I guess it could happen. I mean, I, obviously it can because this patient's got it. Um, and, but it's certainly something you can do. It does a, it gives you a, a, a scar in the at the top of the pubic area, same sort of place where a cesarean scar is, and and you can take out that skin and excess uh, any excess fat in that area. So it's a, it's definitely a thing, uh, and it's definitely definitely um, doable by our clinic. But um, I think we'd have to look into a price or talk to the hospitals and stuff to get a price for that. So um, Corbyn was quite excited about tonight because we had a photo um, on it. But uh, yeah. Pluses, let's reflect on the, on the Facebook Live. Pluses, we had a photo. I think we can all agree that was good minuses not many questions four one two three four questions could do better could do better but you know oh my god i've got a question on the top oh my god wow that question just popped up rachel save me why do you smell so much more with lipo with a tummy tuck um thank you for saving me rachel um yeah it's interesting isn't it lipo because you know, when you have lipo as a standalone procedure, uh, you it's tiny stab incisions. It looks so benign and so innocuous. You know, the the incisions you make with with tummy tuck. But I don't know if you've ever seen it, Rachel. It's quite traumatic. That sort of metal rod going in and out. You know, backwards and forwards. Um, so it is quite traumatic, and it and it does go over quite a large area. Now, with a tummy tuck, you take obviously a little big big bit of skin, but then when you close the top bit of skin to the bottom bit of skin. The, the healing is just in that area there. So I try personally not to undermine too much of the tummy tuck. I do centrally in order to get it down, but I don't undermine massively on the sides. So there's not a huge space or a huge area of, 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 of surgery in a way because it's all cut out, you know, and then, and then you just got that wound to heal. Whereas with, tummy, uh, with liposuction, you've got quite a large area on the hips and the thighs that you tend to address uh, with liposuction. And it's sort of blunt trauma. It is an atraumatic um, cannula, and you do inject quite a lot of fluid and local anesthetic to reduce the trauma. But nevertheless, it can make you feel battered and bruised. You can go, look quite swollen uh, and quite bruised for quite some time after a tummy tuck, more so than you would be with the, with the, um, with the tummy tuck, because the tummy tuck is just sharp cutting, stitching, you know, cutting wound stitching. You don't get that blunt trauma, which causes the bruising and the swelling. So um, it's a good question. But yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? When you have quite a long operation on the central abdomen and then, you know, compared to it, relatively less time with the liposuction, 
but post-op recovery, your swelling and your bruising will be significantly more from the liposuction than it will be from the tummy tuck. Um, that's a good point. And it is because of that sort of blunt trauma of the liposuction cannula. Um, whereas with a sort of sharp knife cutting is sort of less traumatic in a way, really, uh, because it cuts. The, the knife we use is like, um, so it's called a, a diathermy. It's a, it cuts and seals the, the blood vessels as it cuts. So it's uh, it's less bruising. But uh, that was good, uh, Rachel, that fl flying up. That's, um... So I guess um, if you have got any questions, by the way, for goodness sake, ask them, because I think the guys in the office are struggling a bit based on that, those ones. They were good, don't get me wrong. It's just the numbers of them. So please do ask away. Um, I will be here come hell or high water next Tuesday, 7 o'clock. Um, and let's face it, I'm going to make them up if I need to. I wish I'd made up a few for tonight, to be honest with you. But anyway, um, and uh, if you have any real questions, ask away. But if you haven't got any real questions, just come anyway, because you'll hear me talk about my made up ones. Or maybe even some real people will ask some between now and next week. Either way, 7 o'clock, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. I will see all three of you there. Don't miss it, because it's going to be as good, maybe even better than it was tonight. I know that's hard to believe, but the bar is being raised week on, week out with this Facebook Live. Honestly, it's just un unbelievable. Oh, look, Rachel's got, a, Rachel's got a comment. So glad I never had my mons done with my surgery. Yeah. Glad I didn't. I never had my mons done with my surgery. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest with you, Rachel, not, not, many people need it if you don't need it then you don't do anything to it yeah it's, it's just flat and it's just you've got a bit of you know tummy it, it, mons um surgery is for massive weight loss patients you know five stone or more probably you know if, if you're not in that realm oh good advice from me oh i advised it did i okay good this guy here did some good advice instagram if you're not um oh there's no one in instagram anyway if anyone watches this on the replay um someone on facebook said i advised them oh there is someone on instagram someone on facebook said that i did good advice so um there you go good advice from me thank you rachel i'm glad i advised you appropriately if oh they've gone um right okay what's mum's surgery um <laughs> right maxine um i think are you talking about rachel's comment about mom mom's surgery now, Rachel has actually misspelled with, but she hasn't misspelled mons. So you might have thought that was a misspelling because that sentence is quite a, yeah, quite hard to get your head around that set. But that's a mons is correctly spelled. Um, uh, with is incorrectly spelled. That's supposed to have a y, an I in it. But this word here, mons, is mons. Yep, it's a sort of pubic area um, above your pubic bone where your pubic hair is. So um, it's, 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 um, it's called your mons, your mons pubis. <clears throat> and people who've lost a lot of weight have a, uh, can have some prominence and some fullness there. They often don't realise it because they've got a large abdominal apron, which sort of hides it. So sometimes we have to point it out because you look at the abdominal apron and say, there's quite a bit of fullness there. So once I've got rid of the abdomen, abdomen with the abdominoplasty, sometimes there can be prominence in the mons. So it's just an area. It seems to talk about it. Um, 
uh, disproportionately on the, on the Facebook Live than in real life. To be honest with you, it's as I say, it is often not a problem, but um, for some reason, it's uh, quite a lot of fascination about it on Facebook Live. Um, yeah, with yes, it is with. So yeah, it's it's um, that's what mom's surgery is. I will um, see you and have a lovely evening. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.